Hi everyone, I'm Tony Denbar, and I'm the lead pastor of Clearview Community Church, one church in multiple locations serving the region of the Georgian Triangle. Thanks for tuning in today. Now, modern science has often found itself baffled when it comes to spiritual things. The subject of prayer is no exception. See, the general wisdom within the medical community, for example, is that prayer helps people because they believe it helps them. Hospitals, therefore, will allow pastors and lay visitors into hospitals and allow them to have prayer with patients who request it. However, science is beginning to find that there's more to this prayer thing than meets the eye. Listen, for example, to this account from the Southern Medical Journal. Cardiologist Randolph Bird reports a dramatic experiment in prayer. Bird asked prayer groups to intercede for nearly 400 of the patients in the coronary care unit at San Francisco General Hospital. Now, to avoid any placebo effect, where patients feel better for purely psychological reasons, neither the patients nor their doctors knew which patients were the objects of prayer. It was a double-blind test. Bird found that the patients who were prayed for had fewer complications and were five times less likely to require antibiotics than patients that were not prayed for. The study demonstrated something that believers have known for centuries. God answers prayer. Now, an English doctor missionary to Zaire, Africa, by the name of Helen Rosevere, shared this story at Thomas Road Baptist Church of her experience in Africa. Here's what she said. One night in Central Africa, I had worked hard to help a mother in the labor ward, but in spite of all that we could do, she died, leaving us with a tiny premature baby and a crying two-year-old daughter. We would have difficulty keeping the baby alive. We had no incubator, we had no electricity to run an incubator, and no special feeding facilities. Although we lived on the equator, nights were often chilly with treacherous drafts. A student midwife went for the box we had for such babies and for the cotton wool that the baby would be wrapped in. Another went to stoke up the fire and fill a hot water bottle. She came back shortly in distress to tell me that in filling the bottle, it had burst. Rubber perishes easily in tropical climates. And it is our last hot water bottle, she exclaimed. As in the West, it is no good crying over spilled milk, so in Central Africa, it might be considered no good crying over a burst water bottle. They do not grow on trees, and there are no drug stores down forest pathways. All right, I said, put the baby as near the fire as you safely can. Sleep between the baby and the door to keep it free from drafts. Your job is to keep the baby warm. Now, the following noon, as I did most days, I went to have prayers with many of the orphanage children who chose to gather with me. I gave the youngsters various suggestions of things to pray about and told them about the tiny baby. I explained our problem about keeping the baby warm enough, mentioning the hot water bottle. The baby could so easily die if it got chilled. I also told them about the two-year-old sister crying because her mother had died. During the prayer time, one 10-year-old girl, Ruth, prayed with the usual blunt consciousness of our African children. Please, God, she prayed, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow, God, because the baby will be dead, so please send it this afternoon. While I gasped inwardly at the audacity of the prayer, she added by way of corollary, 
And while you are about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so she'll know you really love her? As often with children's prayers, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just did not believe that God could do this. Oh yes, I know that he can do everything. The Bible says so. But there are limits, aren't there? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending a parcel from the homeland. I had been in Africa for almost four years at that time, and I never, ever received a parcel from home. Anyway, if anyone did send a parcel, who would put it in a hot water bottle? I lived on the equator. Halfway through the afternoon, while I was teaching in the nurse's training school, a message was sent that there was a car at my front door. By the time that I reached home, the car had gone, but there on the veranda was a large 22-pound parcel. I felt tears pricking my eyes. I could not open the parcel alone, so I sent for the orphanage children. Together we pulled off the string, carefully undoing each knot. We folded the paper, tearing, taking care not to tear it unduly. Excitement was mounting. Some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on the large cardboard box. From the top, I lifted out brightly colored knitted jerseys. Eyes sparkled as I gave them out. Then there were the knitted bandages for the leprosy patients, and the children began to look a little bored. Next came a box of mixed raisins and sultanas. That would make a nice batch of buns for the weekend. As I put my hand in again, I felt the, could it really be? I grasped it and pulled it out. Yes, a brand new rubber hot water bottle, I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could. Ruth was in the front row of the children. She rushed forward crying out, if God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. Rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out the small, beautifully dressed dolly. Her eyes shone. She had never doubted. Looking up at me, she asked, can I go over with you, mummy, and give this dolly to that little girl so she'll know that Jesus really loves her. Now that parcel had been on the way for five whole months, packed up by my former Sunday school class, whose leader had heard and obeyed God's prompting to send a hot water bottle, even to the equator. One of the girls had put a dolly in for the African child. Five months earlier, in answer to the believing prayer of a 10-year-old to bring it that afternoon. The Bible says, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Isn't that an amazing, true story? Now, what's the point, Pastor, you might ask? God answers prayer. Yeah, we know. Well, listen to what Jesus said in Luke 11, 5 through 13. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give gift, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, have you, if you've been with us previously, you'll remember that in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 11, Jesus taught a pattern of prayer for his followers called the Lord's Prayer. Now, in this prayer, he taught us that God was approachable and welcomes the requests of his children. He taught us that we are to pray according to the will of God and in order to advance his kingdom. When we are aligned with God's will, God hears us and will respond. Now, that's where we pick up today. Jesus again teaches us with a humorous parable using an illustration about hospitality. You see, in the culture of the day, there was an extremely high value placed on hospitality and taking care of guests. Well, in this case, the guest was unexpected. The host had no bread in the house, but it would be expected that he would feed the person who would be staying with him. Because he didn't have any bread in the house, he went to his friend's place. Now, remember, this is the middle of the night. Now, some of you are probably thinking of that one friend who would be bold enough to do this to you. He bangs on the door and explains the situation. Hey, bud, I need three loaves of bread. His friend says what most of us would say. Do you know what time it is? I'm in bed and be quiet or you'll wake up the kids. Everybody's sleeping. Well, he keeps on knocking and eventually the friend gives him what he needs. Not just because he's a friend, but because of what Jesus called his shameless audacity. Now, I love that term. It reminds me of the little girl in Africa who prayed for a hot water bottle and a little doll and send it today, she said. Shameless audacity. Let's notice a few key points here before we move on. First of all, necessity drives bold prayer. The man didn't have what he needed to provide for his guest. Secondly, the need in the case wasn't personal. The request wasn't for him. It was for someone else. And thirdly, the man had already had an established relationship and friendship before he went to the guy's house at midnight. God invites us into a relationship. He doesn't want to be your genie or your Santa Claus. He wants a relationship with you. After this, Jesus applies the parable by saying, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. He was teaching them to take a consistent, persistent approach to God. R. Kent Hughes writes of this passage, Jesus' words actually read, Keep on asking and it shall be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it shall be opened to you. The Greek words represent an ongoing practice and not a one-time event. E.M. Bounds writes this, Ask of me, he says, is the one condition God puts in the very advance and triumph of his cause. John Wesley wrote that it seems as though God does nothing unless someone asks him to do it. It is a recognition of our need and of God's ability that provides the impetus for prayer. Now, the passage we read represents a growing persistence. Seeking is stronger than asking, and knocking is stronger than seeking. And to be clear, there are times when God does answer, but the answer is no. And when you sense that to be the case, you can stop asking. That's where there's a difference between the previous story about the friend and God. The friend in the story is just a man. He was asleep when called upon. God doesn't sleep, and God's never surprised by your request, by your asking, 
by your seeking or by your knocking. So keep it up. Now, in the last three verses, Jesus gives another illustration for us to understand that God wants to provide for us. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now let's first contextualize this. A normal lunch for a child would be a fish and a small loaf of bread. So a request for a fish would have been quite normal, like your child asking for a sandwich. So if your child asked for a PB&J, would you give him a snake? If he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? Something that would hurt him? Of course not. If you would, CAS would come and find another home for him. And then the main point Jesus makes. You know how to good, do good things for your children. You like doing good things for your children and taking care of them. And we're all born in sin. If we're capable of that, don't you think that God knows how to give good gifts to his children when they ask? And the example he closes with is that he will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now, why would he seemingly throw that in there out of nowhere? He hasn't been talking about the Holy Spirit up until now. This phrase seems just kind of randomly thrown in there. But think about what he's saying. God wants to give you his Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus said that it was important for us that he went back to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could come to us. He said the Holy Spirit is called our Comforter and our Counselor. And when he says that he would give us the Holy Spirit, he was saying that he would give us himself. He will be with us. Of all the things that we might need, there is nothing that we need more than God with us. And that's what God will give us when we ask. Now, I've seen many answers to prayer in my lifetime. I myself am an answer to prayer. Are you a follower of Jesus? If so, you have been granted access to the very throne of God to bring your requests to Him. The God of the universe invites you to call Him Father and tell Him what is on your mind. What a privilege that is. In these verses today, Jesus reminds us not to be shy. Ask, seek, and knock. Practice shameless audacity. Now, perhaps you're not a follower of Jesus today. Sometimes in His mercy, God will respond to the prayers of those who don't know Him anyway. But one prayer that he will hear is the prayer of repentance. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, washes us clean. He adopts us into his family and we can call him Father. If you've never prayed that prayer, I encourage you to pray it with me now. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and that I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and give me a new heart. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you that Jesus paid the price for my sins. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you that you hear the prayers of your children. Amen. Now receive the benediction. Go from this place with the confidence that God has come to us. He has sought us. He has found us. And he has redeemed us. Be inspired by his grace humbled by his love, and empowered by his spirit. Let him live in you and through you. May you be his hands and his feet in a world in need.
Now, if you prayed with me today, I would be glad to hear from you. Please reach out to us at Clearview Community Church. God bless. Thanks for watching.